to week 25, 0.5 of the 52-week film project. Uh, now, you might be wondering, week 25.5, that's not a real number. Um, well, actually, what we are doing is, because we've got our week 26, which is halfway through the podcast, we thought we'd do a special bonus episode um, as we both watch The Grinch, and then we can bring you um, a very exciting week 26 full extravaganza in about a week's time uh my name is will this is jake how are you doing buddy yeah mate i'm doing good it's um yeah it's nice to be here um doing this kind of short and sweet episode we basically we wanted to come out next week sorry this week with our you know week 26 um but we've got all these crazy ideas for what we want to do for kind of like our halfway party so crazy um, and we realized yeah they're very very extravagant <laughs> as well said um and neither of us really had the time to kind of you know do that justice and fully get all that stuff ready in time for this week so that will be coming next week um but as will said we've got the grinch and we've had some really fucking cool news stories come out this week yeah definitely want to do you want to tee off with your first one? Yes, my first one is actually quite political, which is quite exciting. Um, are you aware Ooh, of... intriguing. I know. Are you aware of the uh, Chinese Oscars named the Golden Horse Awards? Because I wasn't either. The, what? The Golden Horse Awards. They are the version of the... Golden of the, Horse Awards? The Chinese Oscars. Um, but is, there, is, it, is, it, is it like their like version or is it like run by the same governing body or what? It's run by their, it's, it's, it's run by essentially the, the government and also the Chinese film industry. So it's got no relation to the Oscars. Um, it's, so it's, it's, not, it's not run by the Academy Awards no, for not at all. China? Yeah, but okay. it's, it's the Chinese Oscars in inverted commas. Um, this week um, they were held and there has been some real political problems. Um, Fu Ye, um, who won the Best Director, um, called for Taiwan to be re- recognised as an independent entity during her acceptance what, during speech. His... Yep. Oh, my God. Um, no, and um, her speech was quickly censored on Chinese television and streams with the coverage going completely black after she'd said it. Um, completely gone. Um, I mean, I don't know much about the history from what I can gather, China and Taiwan... Um, have a fragmented history. Taiwan is part of the territory, but it's independently ruled since 1949. Um, and there's often been like, it's kind of like Scotland, England um, in China, Taiwan, but a bit more politically problematic. Um, and then it's it's created big problems. Um, Chinese authorities have banned their citizens for part from participating in the ceremony next year, according to the Taiwanese media. So it's created a big rift between China and Taiwan, with the Taiwanese media like fighting back against China for its censorship. Fascinating stuff. I, I, oh my God. I know. It's all kicking I off, mean, mate. Mate, it's, that's pretty intense. I mean, considering like the American Oscars can't even announce the right fucking film, like... It's a whole other kettle of fish, mate. I know, I whole, know. A whole other set of golden horses. I know. And so it's there's been... Uh, this is the my favourite part of this story. Um, it's been linked to a thing that happened um, directly afterwards, which is there's a Suzhou marathon, which um, the, a Chinese person called Hin Yili was in first place. And organisers, because of the Chinese-Taiwanese problems, organisers tried to thrust a Chinese flag into her hand as she was winning in the final stretch of the race. It was like the final two minutes. Um, And and it just failed. They couldn't put it into her hand. And so after two failed attempts and one Chinese flag thrown to the ground, um, the Chinese runner eventually came second, even though she was winning because they were trying to force it into her hand. So it's all kicking off in the news in China and Taiwan this week. Oh my god! I know, I know. 
Um, um, well, it, I'll, I'll tell you what, I've got one that's it, also slightly political. Ooh! Um, did you hear about the Boris Johnson Obi-Wan Kenobi blunder this week? No. Right, so... You know... He's not playing um, Obi-Wan Kenobi in the new film. No, no, no. Sure, mate, 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 just you wait, just you wait. <laughs> um, you know how, obviously, Lucasfilm and Disney, they've, they've, they have a string of kind of Star Wars films planned after Rogue One and Solo, but because of kind of the difficulties of The Last Jedi and the poor response to Solo, they've kind of halted production on, on all of the standalone Star Wars films at the moment. So they're yes. not doing Boba Fett, and they've kind of paused what they were doing on the Obi-Wan Kenobi film. Anyway... Uh, this week, former Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson announced during a speech at the DUP conference that George Lucas is making the Obi-Wan Kenobi film and that he will be shooting it in Northern Ireland sometime in 2019. The actual statement was, he said something like, what was the biggest grossing movie of last year, Star Wars, and where does George Lucas propose to make a follow-up about Obi-Wan Kenobi? Northern Ireland. Um, now, many people suspect this is this is a huge secret that Disney and Lucasfilm have been kind of holding on to, um, because obviously you know they're bringing like the OG back to the fold. If this is true, um, bringing back George Lucas, um, but others kind of suspect maybe it's Johnson just not really remembering the fact that Lucas sold this to Disney back in 2012, mm. um, and also the fact that the film is currently shelved. Um, it's just a bit of a bizarre thing to come out with, especially at a DUP conference. Yeah. I mean, of all the people to make something Star Wars related about Brexit, it was going to be him, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm very confused about the whole thing. So do you think it's actually Boris Johnson getting his facts wrong or do you think that he's done a massive spoiler? You know what? I think he's just a bloody buffoon, mate. And I think <laughs> he, probably, he probably had some... Tory mate of his um, tell him some anecdote at a wine and cheese night a couple of weeks ago about how like George Lucas is kind of a shoe in to make this film in Northern Ireland and took it as fucking gospel and decided in the heat of the moment to kind of use it as more fodder to fuel his argument. Um, seems like quite a bojo thing to do. But Bojo. Aside, Are we calling him Bojo him, now? Is that the new mate, thing? Bojo is an established nickname. I have for Boris never Johnson. heard. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe have you that's never true. Heard that? Never heard Bojo. Bojo bikes. Bojo, that's genius. Why have I never heard that before? Oh, mate, mate. But aside from him coming out with that, which is just like so far out of left field, um, the concept of George Lucas making an Obi Wan film and it being shot in somewhere as beautiful as Northern Ireland is pretty exciting. Yeah, I would love that. I would, especially but, as I think what what the Star Wars franchise weirdly kind of needs right now is a George Lucas type figure because he knows the world so well. He just can't direct it. You need George Lucas as producer and you need JJ Abrams as director. And then I think that would make a near a, a near perfect Star Wars film because I just think that George Lucas can't direct. I don't think he's got I don't think that he is bad at um, like creating Star Wars stories. I just think he's not a very good director. Um, yeah, yeah, very true, very true. Um, so yeah, moving on from Star Wars to something a lot more Shakespearean, um, Al Pacino uh, is a current, apparently playing King Lear um, in a movie that's coming out next year. 
Um, it's direct- oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's directed by Michael Bradford. Uh, Michael Bradford has um, won an Oscar before for his film Il Postino, The Postman, um, which I think was in 1984. Um, then he also directed the film 1984 in, I think, 1976. Um, <laughs> uh, fun fact. Um, and then he also directed in 2004 A Merchant of Venice film, which is also another Shakespeare play, um, which contains... Wasn't, uh, wasn't Al Pacino in The Merchant of Venice film? Well, well done. Points for Jake. Um, yeah. Yeah, he he was indeed. He had around about like a bit part role, um, not the main. He played role. Shylock, right? He did play. How well done! I've never Mate, seen I this studied, film. I studied this year A level. I remember ah, watching the film. Ah, right, yeah. It's, so it's, is that why they've is that why they've got him back for this this film? Then? Well, because Al Pacino and Michael Bradford have a very good relationship, and they've been talking about doing it for a while, and so now it's okay. finally got um, like some funding, and it's starting to go ahead. Do you know King Lear as a story that well? No, not really. Um, give me it, the uh, give me the four one one. Well, I tried. I looked up because I I know King Lear because I did did it for my second year English. But I tried to look up like a brief brief character synop, um, synopsis online, and Spark Notes let me down for one of the first times it's ever let me down. It's just too long. So here it is. An aging king of England divides his throne between his three daughters. He banishes his favourite daughter when she is not loyal to France and she marries the French king. The two daughters conspire against who she likes, conspire against the king and each other. Then there's people called Edmund and Edgar. Edgar wants to get power, so tries to flirt with the two daughters. Um, the king, realising that he's made a mistake by banishing his, his favourite daughter, goes mad. Then there's a war with France. Then they all die. That's when that, there's King Lear for you. Right. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not fully under, I'm not. I'm not fully certain. I understood what you just said. Well, it's a five uh, act play, and ev- there's five so much acts. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, oh god! And King Lear got time for that. Well, King Lear is also one of the longest Shakespeare plays, if not the longest Shakespeare play. Um, I need to get my facts right on that. Probably, there's probably some history play that's 17 acts or something. But King Lear is very, very long. And it's got a lot of... The reason why people like it a lot is because it's um, it's very politically intriguing. And it also... It, all the characters are very, very good. And King Lear itself is is seen as, like, the, the actor in national theatre productions and, like, proper Shakespeare's, the Royal Shakespeare Company. When you've done Shakespeare throughout your whole life, King Lear is the final part you play. It's like the... It's like the... Because he's, oh, an, really? a, he's an old man, yeah. So Ian McKellen's just done it recently. There's been a couple of others. Um, so it's So when you're playing Lear, it's kind of known that you're you're the top dog in the industry and you have been and that's, and that's your... It's your, your peak is kind of Macbeth, and this is your sort of aging retirement is King Lear as a Shakespearean that's actor. That's quite cool. So yeah. that's kind of like the progression of a Shakespearean actor in the modern day. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Who'd I don't think it? I could even do. I don't think I could even do Midsummer Night's Dream, mate. Oh, great play. Um, anyway, <laughs> That'd be a nightmare. <laughs> um, very cool. Very cool. Um, my next bit of news, probably the biggest bit of news all week. Um, we finally have a teaser trailer for The Lion King live ah, action remake. I've never stopped. I've never stopped <laughs> to actually like look up the lyrics and work out what's actually being said there. No, neither have I. Is it is it words? I know obviously it's not English, but is that something? Is something being spoken there in well, that it song? So, or is it... it just guttural cries? I think it's words because it all builds up to the circle of life, which I assume that it has some relation to that. Maybe that is okay. the circle of life in I don't know what's the language 
some kind, some form of African Swahili or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Any, anyway, anyway. <laughs> um, going, going back to the point, the original Lion King came out in 1994. Um, its lifetime box office gross is 986 million dollars. So we are talking one of the highest grossing films of all time. Now this trailer's come out. It's live action. Um, fucking some of the best actors around at the moment are in this film. You've got Donald Glover playing Simba. You've got Beyonce supporting him as Nala. You've got Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner as Timon and Pumbaa. We've got Chiwetel. Oh, I can never say his name. How Edge, do you say it? Um, Edge of Four. Edge of Four is the last name. I've no idea how to say the first name. Doctor Strange's sidekick, basically. Yes, Batman. You've got him playing Scar, and you've got none other than James Earl Jones returning to the fold as well for this remake, which is incredible. Um, it's coming out on the 19th of July, 2019. Um myself yourself the rest of the whole fucking world are very excited about this quite clearly um the teaser do you want to take a stab at how many views the teaser trailer got in the first 24 hours it was out i'm going to say 75 million or am i nah, higher 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 that's good because you know when some people play this game and you say a number and then it's and it's oh no it's actually lower um no uh, <laughs> 110 110 no, all right, no, no, way, way, way higher. So this teaser in 24 hours got 224.6 million views. Damn. Which makes it the second most viewed teaser launch of all time behind none other than Infinity War. Um, Infinity War got 238 million views for its teaser in the first day by comparison. Um, now, this is this is really exciting. You know, you've got some people that are kind of hating on the whole live action thing in general with Disney, because obviously they've done Beauty and the Beast. They've done um, Peach Dragon, a few others recently, and they're continuing to go full steam ahead with these kind of live action reimaginings of their classic movies. Um, to put it into context, John Favreau, who's directing the Lion King one, which comes out next year, he just did The Jungle Book two years ago. I haven't seen it. I was told it was pretty good. Um, and then moving into next year, um, ahead of The Lion King, we have Dumbo coming mm -hmm. out, which is kind of full steam ahead with its marketing at the moment. There's more and more trailers for it. Uh, Dumbo's being directed by Tim Burton. It's got Colin Farrell, Danny DeVito, Michael Keaton... Uh, amongst others in it and it's coming out in March then in May 2019 we've got the Aladdin reboot which is directed by Guy Ritchie of Snatch Layer Cake Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels fame uh, this one on, is got, starring did Guy Ritchie direct Layer Cake? I had no idea pretty sure he did interesting well that, that's really cool correct me if I'm wrong while I'm going through the Disney films will do um, but this guy's got, the Aladdin film it's got Mena Masood in the kind of titular role the the key role um as aladdin who was recently in the jack ryan series on amazon um and it's got will smith as the genie which is fucking awesome and and then also in 2020 we have the pinocchio film uh we don't know much about this but we know that it's being directed by guillermo del toro that'd be um, amazing just, you know just won the oscar for best picture with the shape of water last year this year um, and then in the pipeline, but they haven't really said anything more about, we've also got Lady and the Tramp, Mulan, The Little Mermaid, and 101 Dalmatians. So there's a lot of there's a lot of money being pumped into this. Hang and about. If, there's been a 101 Dalmatians live action movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. There, there has. There were two. There was yeah. 102 Dalmatians as well. Oh, but there is a, there is a new one. There is a remake. 
Nice, nice. Um, are you excited for all the remakes, or are you, or are you worried that they might? I, I, I think the Lion King is going to be great. I worry that the, and I think Dumbo is going to be great. And I think Pinocchio is going to be great. I worry that eventually they're going to run out of steam. There's going to be some kind of Star Wars: The Last Jedi reaction to one of the remakes, and it will, it, it, it might be problematic in the later ones. But so far, yeah, but, du- I, but but I do also think that they're so distinct that even if one of them isn't met that well. Um, the rest of them will succeed. That's true. Like, uh, undoubtedly, The Lion King will do well. I think that Aladdin, because we haven't really seen anything from Aladdin as a character in so long, I think that will work. Um, I'm sceptical about Dumbo, because I think that when I've watched the trailers, I think it ticks all the right boxes, it looks weird, it's got some great actors in it, but I just think maybe it won't be as exciting and as engaging as it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think it is currently suffering that, you know, that age-old problem of the modern day, which is showing way too much in your trailer. Oh, 100%. Um, but then, I don't know, I mean, this Pinocchio one is the one that's fascinating me the most out of all of them. Like, I don't like Pinocchio as a concept. It really bothers me. It always has. Um, but the idea of having someone as magical as Del Toro doing it uh, means that it will be a bit strange. It will be quite creepy, but it could also be quite beautiful. Um, so hopefully that will be the one that kind of turns everyone around and go, wow damn like you know taking all of these kind of really well-known actors and directors sorry and pushing them in completely different directions is um i think they'll reap the benefits mate i think they really will yeah i think so and i i I can confirm i was wrong with layer cake layer cake is directed by matthew vaughan i did look it up yeah 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 um i I, amazing that's matthew vaughan's first film anyway um it's very very cool um anyway so my last piece of um film news um it's actually more radio news but it's just very odd um so bbc radio 4 you're probably aware of it it's the thing that um later aged middle-aged mums listen to in the car um <laughs> well that's from my experience is it, is it radio 4 that does the desert island discs yes i like so a lot i've of radio always 4. been told to listen to that and god like my brother had it on in the car the other day and it is it is the it is insufferably british it's too dry. Right. That's my problem with it's, Radio 4. It's way too dry for me. And I listened to it and I was like, God, like this is like those sketches in Family Guy where they take the piss out of the posh British people. Like it was too much. Like it was way too much. And they have a couple of like radio talk shows and radio sketch shows. And they're all pretty funny. And there are a couple of them that are very, very good. However, it just is too stuck up and too slow and too dry. And it never really hits that sort of comedy guffaw that I'm looking for. But anyway, um, BBC Radio 4 has a Today programme. It's um, one of the biggest sellers for them. And in the Christmas period, between Christmas and New Year, every year they have um, guest editors on the show. Um, which is an odd odd thing to do, but that's because there's less news between Christmas and New Year. It's um, anyway, they're focusing more on the Christmas and New Year kind of stuff. Um, Angelina Jolie has been set to guest edit the BBC Radio 4's Today programme. Um, she's using her episode um, uh, on the 28th of December to invite a series of guests who are pioneers in their fields to discuss solutions to violence against women in conflict zones and the global refugee crisis. Um It's fascinating that that's the role that she'd take as guest editor. Um, I suppose as an editor, you have so much power in the episode that you're creating. 
Um, and she's got, I think she's got a period rather than just her own episode. She's got like a couple of days where she is the guest editor, where she can sort of take these themes that she's wanting to explore and look at them. So that's the bit of news. But I also looked at the previous guests who've also previously edited. Um, and they come, it's, it's, some of them are celebrities. Um, most of them are very, very important, influential people. And some of it's just downright weird. So previous guests include Prince Harry. Tom York from Radiohead, Stephen Hawking, oh, <laughs> Stephen Hawking, Colin Firth, Carrie Mulligan, Queen Noor Al Hussein of Jordan, uh, the Queen of Jordan, Bradley Wiggins. I love that Bradley Wiggins did it. Did it. Um, <laughs> Do you know what his guest guest slot was about? I have no idea. I want to know. Um, Al Murray. Like how to avoid chafing on long distance cycles. Yeah, I don't imagine Bradley Wiggins is supposed to be the most interesting guy or have that much TV editing skills. No, no. he's not a very captivating bloke. No, but neither in terms of TV ed- editing skills does the Archbishop of Canterbury, who came on in 2016. <laughs> so it's all very odd. I'm amazed that this thing, this is even a thing, that there's guest editors. But yeah, Angelina Jolie is doing uh, it on the 28th. Um, I will probably tune in to see what on earth will happen. Fascinating. Yeah, very interesting. Um, well, that's my end of my news. Uh, so my, my final bit is um, slightly different. So are you aware of the video game company Rebellion? Uh, no. Rebellion Games. So they, uh, they uh, I, I couldn't really name anything specific that they've done recently, but they are basically a big gaming company that are trying to move more into film and TV. Um, so they have essentially bought a large former Printworks building in Oxford, uh, that they're going to convert into a studio space for their highly anticipated Judge Dredd TV series um, and a rogue trooper film directed by Duncan Jones, who's the bloke who did Source Code oh, wow. a few years ago. Um, both projects feature characters from the legendary British comic book series 2000 AD, which Rebellion bought, appropriately enough, in the year 2000. <laughs> um, it's quite cool. Um, the the pictures of it, if you get a chance to look at it, they it, they bought this huge building. You could you could kind of imagine it being decked out to be a really really trendy nightclub, um, but instead no, they they're using it as their kind of base now. It cost them a hundred million dollars to kind of buy this place, and I think that's including you know doing it all up, um, and they'll be ready to use it within a few weeks' time. Wow, that's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. Um, I, I I cannot wait to see that this Judge Judge Dredd thing. Um, yeah, man, me neither. I mean, it, that Judge Dredd film that came out a few years ago is one of those weird anom- an- anomalies where it was reviewed really well um, and was a really really good film, but just seemingly no one cared about it. It didn't make much money at box office, and it's kind of flown completely under the radar. I think I don't know if you've seen it, yeah, I have. I, I think Lena Headey does an incredible, incredible job in it. Job in it. I think there's a couple of there's um, the person is it Carl Urban who plays Judge Dredd? Uh, I'm looking it up now. I, I think. Can't remember. While you look that up, I've just looked up the Rebellion Games. Um, Empire Earth is done by Rebellion Games. I love Empire Earth. Okay, it's, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It was one of my favourite games when I was younger, um, as as well as Age of Empires. I used to play them concurrently because I'm a bit of a PC geek. Um, but yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. They yeah, did that. so, so, so the Dread film was Carl Urban playing Judge Dread, and it was directed by Pete Travis and produced by Alex Garland, who's the guy that wrote The Beach, who I think has also been involved in... Um, what's that sci-fi series on HBO? Westworld. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's very, very um, cool. But yeah, no, should be very cool. Should be very, very cool. It's called, uh, the TV series is going to be called Judge Dread Mega City 1. I don't know. How, I'm sure that links to the comics in some way, but there's about a million of them, and they were always black and white when I was a kid, so they were never the most appealing-looking things, and I always went for Spider-Man instead. Correct. Yeah, I always, I always wanted to get into Judge Dredd, but they were black and white, and they looked a bit too gory. I wanted to. I, if I, I said if I wanted gore and horror, I, I would have got a Batman comic um, or a yeah. or the Watchmen comic. So I just wouldn't have read Judge Dredd. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe um, with retrospect, I feel like I might have missed out because the stories there are fantastic and it's very, very cool. And I've read a couple of them on like computers and like iPhone, etc. Um, recently. Um, when I watched the last film, and they're cool stories, really, really cool stories. Um, yeah, so I, so maybe maybe before the, this TV series comes out, we should start reading some Judge Dredd comics. Maybe we should. Maybe, maybe we, we should, should play the play the video games as well. <gasps> um, yes. But anyway, moving swiftly on, The Grinch, the 2018 remake by Illumination Entertainment, who are known for doing the Despicable Me films. Um, they also are no stranger to Dr. Seuss because they did the Lomax film a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Is it the Lomax? Am I saying that right? It's the Lorax. Lorax. Ah, <laughs> Lorax film. Damn words. Um, have you have you watched that? No. Because I don't. I have no no benchmark for whether they did a good job with that or not. But kind of off the back of it, the casting for this Grinch film is absolutely brilliant. So kind of reading off the IMDb, the Grinch is voiced by Benedict Cumberbatch. Yep. Who. I think throughout this film did a pretty good job of what he was given. Now, I thought this film looked beautiful and had a great soundtrack, but felt quite bland and empty for the most part. Like, I just felt like things weren't as creative and as inventive as they could have been, especially coming from the team behind the Despicable Me films. Correct. But I thought that Benedict Cumberbatch did a great job with the voice. He really is the Grinch. Um, you've got Cameron Seeley playing Cindy Lou Who, the little girl who obviously wants to kind of save Christmas and turn the Grinch around to the idea that it's a good concept. We all know the story. Um, she was recently in The Greatest Showman. Um, she's ah. the I, I, I don't know I don't know what she is, but she's like fifteen, so I'm assuming she's like P.T. Barnum's daughter or something. Yeah. Um, but she's kind of you know she's 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 making waves. She's becoming quite popular. Um, Donna Who, the mother of Cindy Lou Who, is played by Rashida Jones, which I didn't realise when I was watching it. And then kind of like I came home and looked at the cast list and thought, oh, fuck, of course. Like, it sounds just like her. Yeah. It's, um, and yeah, that's half, because it is her. Yeah. <laughs> um, half, I was the whole film, I was wondering who it was. And about halfway through, I, it clicked. I was like, oh, it's Rashida Jones. Of course it is. Um, she's yeah. got a very recognisable voice, but it also sounded a bit like Carrie Fisher for some reason. And I was like, no, Carrie Fisher's dead. It can't be Carrie Fisher. Um, yeah, no, I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We also had, um, there's there's a who in Whoville called Mr. Bricklebaum, who like in the, the Grinch story is the one who's like insufferably nice. And the Grinch sees as like his sworn enemy, even though Mr. Bricklebaum sees the Grinch as like one of his best mates. And his voice was like, it was doing me in all the way through the film. I was thinking, like, I need to get my phone out and look up who this is because I know who it is. And it sounded a bit like Terry Crews, but I just, like, you know when you, you're you so convinced it is someone, but then you just, you hear a few things that they say and you're like, no, it's not them. Yeah. Um, and it's Keenan Thompson, who's the guy from Saturday Night Live. Mm, I Yeah. Um, I- and I thought he was great. He was really, really entertaining. He's a great voice actor in general. 
Yeah, I thought he was very, very good. I thought that generally the cast did okay. Um, what did you think of Pharrell Williams as the narrator? Uh, I was just about to bring it up. So <laughs> I didn't, again, I didn't know it was Pharrell Williams who was narrating until the end. I thought the narrator was pretty damn boring. Yeah, I agree. I, I And I know you've got to tread a line with these kind of, because the narrator kind of tells the doctor, I think it's actually like the, the proper... It's it's the writing from the book, right? That's what the narrator's saying, like excerpts from the book. Yes. Um, but it just wasn't delivered with any kind of like excitement. Um, and I think the logic there was kind of they, they probably thought like you don't want to outdo the Grinch. You don't want to have a narrator that's so exciting or engaging that the Grinch doesn't seem as interesting by comparison. Um but I just don't think, mate. I mean, Pharrell added nothing to that role for me. Whereas the in the original film, it was Anthony Hopkins as the narrator, and he yeah. did a lot in that role, even though he was mm. again just narrating. Um, I just don't think. I think the narrator is such important role in films in films like this, and I suppose this Grinch film, um, because it's got to be poetic in some way and it's also got to be kind of have gravitas like you need for this kind of film and if this when you're like narrating poetry over a film you kind of need an old school actor like like hopkins like a james earl jones would be amazing um like but then the problem the problem is they i think with this film they were trying to make it feel as modern and as current as possible yeah like you you've got arguably the most modern animation studio behind it you've got a lot of young actors and actresses who are kind of quite in the here and now especially in terms of like performances and things that kids are familiar with you know why would they not if like if i assume that because tyler the creator the US rapper did the soundtrack for this, which I think is one of the best elements of the film, by the way. The music choice is really good. Yeah, I like it a um, lot. I think he opened a lot of doors. Um, I think that they got Pharrell off the back of Tyler. Um, and I think they must have thought, like, oh, fuck. Like, if Tyler's saying that we can have the guy who sung Happy and that was the fucking Despicable Me soundtrack, then, like, why the fuck would we not? get him in to do this yeah and i just i i i think that the casting team were probably so swept away by the concept of having pharrell in the film that they didn't actually stop to ask whether he might be good at the role they're giving him <laughs> yeah i think i um, completely agree but the, but this film is beautiful like i love i love the illumination entertainment style so much and at the beginning of the movie i'm pretty sure it'd be the same for yours you got like a five minute despicable me minions short about the minions breaking out of prison yep um, again, like hilarious, really, really funny, really creative. Um, and it is like, God, the scenes where like the Grinch is up on top of the mountaintop looking down at the lights of Whoville, like it really is stunning. Like you know, I, I was sat there thinking, God, like it's, it's amazing that like someone's drawn this, you know? Um, but I just, there wasn't that spark for me. No, I can, yeah. Like, it felt like I know it's retelling a story that I'm already familiar with and a lot of people will be, but it's just they do so many ridiculous, quirky things with their other films. And for this one, I just feel like everything that was like the Grinch didn't feel particularly despicable at any point. No. Nope. Um, which I think was a big problem for me. Like he, he you've got to make him feel like an absolute arsehole at the beginning and he's he's a buffoon you, they, rather they than an arsehole yeah he's a, he's a comic character who gets like one point in one point in the film he walks into a tree and like i remember like a lot of the original people um 
like the, the a lot of the original um the cinema that i was in um all the all the kids just like laughing like these three or four year olds and i was like and then the re- the six to seven year olds who were there were just sort of like oh for goodness sake like i heard a sigh from half the audience and that was the kind of tone for me it was just all all really really like slapstick humor and not any of the menace of the original film but it also it wasn't particularly um it wasn't particularly exciting slapstick humor. No, no. It was things you've no, seen like before. It, it was it was really like, oh, like see like yeah, like genuinely I felt like everything I was watching and like there was so much exposition that it was just fucking unbearable. Like at the end of the film, when the Grinch inevitably gets turned around to the fact that what he really needs is friends and that he was lonely all the time and it wasn't him that he hated Christmas, they quite literally get Benedict Cumberbatch to mansplain all of that the at the end of the film this is the moral of the story yep and it, and, it, and it was just unbearable it was like yeah we fucking get it we've watched the whole thing happen <laughs> like we, it, it was like it was like getting to the end of a Lord of the Rings film and then having Frodo sit down and be like and this is everything that happened on our journey mm. yeah we know Baggins we just saw you fucking do it yep yep like Oh, I don't know. It was just a bit ridiculous. It, it wasn't, but they, it wasn't ridiculous enough. Yeah, I agree. And also, it was ridiculous that it wasn't that ridiculous. You considering don't... it's the Grinch and you can do whatever you want with it. And they, I feel like they just played it unbearably safe. They played the it really for the kiddies. They did not play it for they did they it, it 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 was a film to me. Whereas when we watch Teen Titans go to the movies, that's a kids film that can play to adults. Whereas this film felt like a kids film that can, that only plays to kids between the age of zero and six. Like yeah, that, that's completely. it. Um, like I the there was moments where I really enjoyed it. There was moments where. Like I, I completely agree with you that the aesthetic of the thing was beautiful, but because there was nothing that exciting about the aesthetic and the story didn't really go anywhere, you you kind of were just stuck stuck in the world, wanting there to be more things happening. I wanted yeah. more things to be to be happening around Whoville. I wanted more magnificence and cool and splendor and sparkle. I wanted the plan to be um, the Grinch's plan to be more crazy than it was. Um, what did you think of the reindeer? Because I had a problem. I just thought that that was such a weird way of introducing the reindeer. And it was fine for the first five minutes, but then when the reindeer finds his family, spoiler alert, um, the reindeer finds his family and then the just Grinch just lets him go. Um, I just thought it was a bit like, what? what is actually happening here? What was what was the point yeah. in introducing yeah. the reindeer? It was... It was boring. It was just really boring. Yeah. Um, and also yeah, halfway, no. halfway through the film, Max, the dog, um, growls at the um, at the reindeer because it's the best coffee that um, the Grinch has ever had. It's produced by the reindeer. And I thought that was quite like a funny <laughs> bit. But no follow-up throughout the rest of the film. And I, yeah. maybe I'm asking too it was, much. Yeah, it, it, it was like they were trying to establish a love-hate relationship between the two pets, but then it never quite followed through. Yeah. And also in a film this short, they have no excuse for time. It's not like they need to cut out yeah. anything. It's such a short film that they really didn't need to cut out anything. And in a, yeah. in such a short film, it felt long. Yeah. It, that was the problem that I had. This is really, really short, but it felt exhaustingly long. Like yeah. I actually like, I, you know, I have to hold my hands up. I fell asleep for about 10 minutes of this film. <laughs> um, and I fell asleep 
basically I, I fell asleep with him with Max pulling the sleigh and then woke up on my girlfriend's shoulder after the Grinch had successfully stolen Christmas. So I, I, I'm like, guilty as charged, I did miss, like, the crux of the film. But the fact that that crux of the film was about 10 minutes long, about 10 minutes is what I missed, and I felt like I got a really fucking good nap in. Like, <laughs> that's, not, that's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah, and I think, um, I think the sequence, unfortunately, Jake, I think the sequence you missed was one of the, one of the coolest ones in the film. However, yeah, it, it does, it, like, however, because it's not built up enough, I, I didn't really feel like that was that exciting even then. Um, so, so you didn't really miss much. Um, do you want to mm. go on to critics quotes? Have you got anything more to say, say about yeah, the film? Mate. No, oh, I think, actually, I think we're good. I've, uh, go on. Sorry, just before we, before we do critics quotes, I've got a fun fact. Cause you know, I'd like to do fun facts. I've got a fun go fact. Go on, mate. What's your, what's your fun Grinch fact? So in the two, in the Grinch film of the year 2000, um, Frank Weller played Max. Frank Weller has also repl- reprised his role as Max in this film. Do you know what Matt, um, Frank Weller is most well known for? And this will surprise you no end. No. He is the voice of Fred in the original Scooby-Doo. And... What? No, no, no. And on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, Megatron from the Transformers films. What? Yeah, what? I, I, I was looking this up and I was like, what, a, what an odd film resume. <laughs> that is very odd. That is bizarre. Yeah. Imagine being Megatron, the Fred, and Max the dog from the Grinch. Exactly. Yeah, and I, but, and, and so he and he reprised his role as Max for this film. Yeah, which I think was quite cute. So do you? Yeah, but do you think they just turned around and thought like, who do we need to get to do Max in this film? I don't know. Let's just call up the one guy that knew how to do it last time. Yep. Yeah, but then the, the in the in the last film it was a dog. I thought that was just a real dog acting. I don't know if it speaks. I can't remember, but. It, I, it, it baffles me, Jake. It absolutely baffles me. Oh, mate. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> going on to Critic Quote Awards. Um, my best description for the 2018 version of The Grinch came from Adam Fresco of Flix.co. And he says, little ones will love it, but kids over eight and accompanying adults may be less forgiving of a short story stretched to snapping point for the big screen. Yes, Jake. I feel like that just summarises everything we just said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm completely the same. Um I mine is from it's a bit more a positive spin because um, I probably because I saw those ten minutes um, where you were asleep. Um, Eric, it's it's from Eric D Snyder from um, the well-known magazine Eric D um, and he says it's fitfully amusing, harmless, and negligible. It neither detracts from Dr. Seuss's legacy nor enhances it. Like it's a fun kids film. It's just not that fun and it doesn't really add anything to the it's it's not like an add-on to the grinch legacy i see it as very standalone um uh, yeah which is which is a shame because it should it should like if this film was good it could launch so many spin-offs of the grinch for illumination Mm, yeah i suppose is anyone asking for that though no but if it was good they might be like not very like, interesting, very interesting point for you quickly though. Um, I just looked up Illumination Entertainment, like the upcoming films that they've got. So in the calendar, they've got a Minions sequel. They've got a sequel to the film Sing, and they've got a secret sequel to the film The Secret Life of Pets. They also have an untitled animated Mario film scheduled for twenty twenty two release, and they have a Despicable Me four film in development. 
and an untitled Pharrell Williams film. Gosh, Pharrell Williams is really Illumination's love child, aren't they? God, he, they fucking love him. They man. love him. Um, wow, that's that's exciting. I'm excited for Sing too. I love the Sing film. Loved it. But with the singing, yeah, pe- never saw that. Oh, Need to. Great. It's, it's got. It's actually. You know what? It's the best role that Taron Egerton has ever played. As he's a he's a he's a he's bold a, claim. He's a very gr- bold claim. He's a gorilla that can sing, Jake. It's magical. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, most most savage description of the Grinch came for me from Bob Chipman of Escapist magazine. Bob Chipman, um, and, and he said, "No, really, that's it now. What if?" And, and then it's like paraphrasing. Imagine this is like the execs at Illumination talking about the pitch for the film. Oh, I saw this. Said, I saw this review. It's funny. Um, what if instead of an absurdly short-tempered psychotic hermit who snaps? The Grinch is a mildly depressed neurotic who doesn't manage seasonal affective disorder very well and eventually escalates for no good reason. Yeah. It's quite an apt description of how they treat the Grinch in this film. Whereas in like the Jim Carrey film, for example, he is fucking bonkers, off the wall crazy. There is no method to his madness. This is a Grinch that is just depressed and boring and bored with himself and decides to hatch a plan without any there's not a lot of catalyst in this film and it doesn't nearly capture the passion and the twinkle in the Grinch's eye like I think the biggest thing that this film misses is yes the Grinch is an absolute psycho that's the whole point but he is so the cogs are always turning he's never running out of ideas he's always kind of crazy to think about the next thing to do even if it is despicable and this Grinch doesn't have that at all. Yeah, I don't think this Grinch is a genius. I think he's. I. I just think he's very depressed and lives and just lives a very boring life, which is not. It's not the most exciting film in the world when the Grinch is when the Grinch's character description is that he's boring. Um, yeah, my most savage is from Kirk Baird from Toledo Blade, um, and he says this animated big screen version is three times too long and ten times as unnecessary. Um, oh. Yeah, which I kind of yes and no. I mean, the kids liked it. The kids liked it. I had there was one more that I saw that I had to write down because it's so short. It was from a guy called Rob Vo, and he simply said, "The bauble is shiny but hollow inside." <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's quite fair as well. Like it is a beautiful looking film, but there's fuck all that happens. That might be one of my um, favourite Rotten Tomatoes things. That's fantastic. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's so and fun. It sounds like, and it sounds like a line from the film as well, being read by Pharrell. The bauble was shiny, but hollow inside. Oh. <laughs> it's so weird. That was great, Jake. Uh, did, you have a, did you have a favourite moment? Uh, yes. Um, but I, call me white and basic, but it was when Pentatonix did the carol singing bit. I loved it. When they were yeah, like popping out actually, of shots. That actually is really funny. I didn't realise it was the Pentatonix either. Like, yeah. Did you look that up? Or? Uh, I looked at the soundtrack because I was, because also I was looking up like who's does the soundtrack and I saw Tyler, the creator, Run DMC do a song um, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Some, somewhere in there. Um, do you know that the, in the original Grinch film, I think maybe it's the end credits thing, Buster Rhymes feet Jim Carrey called Jin, Grinch what? 2000. Yeah, I listened to it, and it's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's Buster Rhymes, like, and, and a children's choir. And he's going like... Yeah, literally. I think it's very similar to the song that Tyler Creator does, but it's just Buster Rhymes being Buster Rhymes. Um, but yeah, uh, very odd. But yes. Well, my, 
my best moment is also music related. So when the Grinch, about 50 minutes into this film, gets his mojo back, um, they play a montage of him like getting all excited and devious in his cave. And the track that they frame that to is Boogie by Brockhampton. Now, mm. Brockhampton is just like the best rap group out there at the moment. But they're also not kid-friendly and not really that widely recognised by, like, the film industry. So it was just really, really cool to hear, A, one of my favourite songs from one of my favourite artists in this film, but also because of the sheer, like, balls to put it in, mm. in the first place. Um, and it fit really well. It was it was only played really briefly, but it was, like, a really good moment. Like, I really liked it. And it was one of those great bits where, like, the film felt like it had energy, which were severely lacking for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of 10, I would give it a five. I would also give I it think a five. Ba- ba- based on how beautiful it looks, based on the fact that I do like Illumination, I do like what they do, and based on the amount of time that went into the music and the composition, I think it's a five out of 10 from me. I'm the same five. Um, I think it's, this is the first time we've agreed on a score in a while. Um, it has. It's been a, it's been a f- tough few weeks, isn't it? Yeah. It's been very, very weird. Our reviewing in the last couple of weeks has been, I'll review something at seven. You'll review it at four. There's the, yeah, there's we been, clashed on widows, didn't we? We did clash on window. Well, no, I've come round to oh, thinking windows. that it's also terrible. <laughs> windows. <laughs> oh dear. Um, yeah. That, so that's five out of 10. It's not that exciting. Um, it doesn't add too much to the Grinch legacy. There are a couple of fun moments and the aesthetic is really fun. Um, but yeah, so five out of ten. Um, so that kind of wraps up week 25.5, which Will, um, at the beginning of the episode, said isn't a real number. Um, no, I, think you'll find <laughs> I knew it you is, were going to pick up on it's that. Just, it's just one of the numbers that we don't really number on in our system of episodes. That's what I meant. Um, but who knows? 25.5. I, I, you could do a maths essay at university saying that 25.5 is not a real number. I guarantee yeah, I'll, what I'll is, leave you to waste What are numbers? Just one. a human construct, Jake. Yeah. Well, anyway, we will be back <laughs> to our regularly numbered human construct next week <laughs> with week 26, our big halfway bonanza. Um, strap in and strap on for two hours of crazy fun. We're talking cocktails. We're talking best moments from the last 26 weeks. We're talking trivia. We're talking a mystery secret review, all sorts of mayhem, all sorts of pandemonium. Will was counting that stuff on his fingers and he was running out of fucking fingers. Yep, literally. Um, do you have anything else to add? Uh, not that not that much. I'm just, I'm just so excited about week 26. Like, we have got so many cool things lined up. Um, and everyone, please do tune into that episode. And we're going to try and, like, get some lots of good social media coming up for it. We're going to really, really plug this episode. Please all go and listen, because it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's going to be a party. Yeah, it's going to be a hell of a party. Indeed. A hell of a party. Um, and with that, thank you very much, Will. Thank you very much, Jake. And we will see you all next week. Bye.